tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Tommy Burkett, Poverty Island Treasure, and Nancy Brown. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert. This is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Y'all right? Excuse you? Yeah. Oh, that was audio too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I Maybe it just picked up on the phone, not on the um, mic. Anyway, yeah, this is an Unsolved Mysteries uh, podcast where we talk about the show Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. Um, no and, de- no uh, Dennis Farina. And I'm going to throw you right out of that fucking window. No, fuck Farina. May he rest in peace, as we say here. Robbie, yes. What's going on behind you? <laughs> oh, can you hear stuff? Yeah, I can hear stuff. Well, I don't. Maybe the. Well, let me tell you. According to Garage, according to the Garage Band slider, on my, well, I can't say brand new because I actually just I bought it off my roommate. Um, uh-huh. My roommate was. Uh, uh, he he had like a couple of Macs that were that, that mm-hmm. had been given to him because of his his mm-hmm. job, but he's at a yeah. different job now and he didn't need all of them. Uh-huh. So, I uh, I bought a, uh, a MacBook Air, uh, nice from him for two hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, Very nice. I um I've never actually purchased a a Mac, well not recently anyway. So the Mac I record on was a work leftover. Okay. As well. <laughs> anyway, last weekend, I was visiting Baja, California in Mexico mm. for my birthday. And uh, my husband, Dave, and I, we ended up very spontaneously at this food and wine festival. It's a really beautiful vineyard. Um, we don't speak Spanish, really. Somehow we finagled tickets to this thing and we're, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, Mexican people are very kind <laughs> to deal with us. Um, and you know, w- there's a, there's a quote by, uh, Anthony, Anthony Bourdain. That's like, you know, when traveling, I'm not afraid to look like an idiot. And I think you can actually, if you're willing to just swallow your pride and look like an idiot for a little while, you can actually find yourself in some pretty fun situations like we did. And, uh, so there was a band, it was a very classy event. Everyone was dressed, uh, to the nines, except for Dave and I, because we were not planning on going to an upscale food and wine festival that day. So we just looked kind of busted. Um, but, uh, <laughs> our money spends the same as anyone else, I guess. So they let us in and there was a live band playing very, just a real classy situation. Okay. Um, Lots of great food there. We had rabbit tacos. Oh, wow. Okay. What was that like? Very good. I mean, they were really chefy tacos. So there was yeah. like a lot of little dabs of sauce uh, and like fresh picked yes, mint. And yeah, they're very chefy. And then uh, we also had, uh, got to try some more indigenous type of food. And so I'm going on a bit of a tangent here just to fill out time. Uh, but I'll get to the point in a second. But uh, there was, uh, you know, some of the the native proteins, obviously in Baja, there's a lot of fish, a lot of seafood. That's what they're known for. But then um, some what they had before they had, you know, beef or pig or any of that stuff to eat is that 
Um, you know, it was rabbit is a protein source. Deer was another one. Um, oh, quail is another big was another big okay. wild game source yeah. of protein. I did have quail while I was down there. That was separate from the food and wine festival. Um, but we got to try some uh, some more indigenous type of foods, and one of those things was venison empanadas. Venison empanadas, yes, yeah. Uh, for those of us yeah. who are not in the know, what is, what are those? It's deer. Well, it's deer. Well, yeah, venison's deer. It's deer but meat. What, what's the empanada? Is empanada can be a lot of things, but basically, it is a folded pocket of dough that is either uh, fried or baked, and it's got some kind of filling in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, typically that dough, at least in Mexico, is made from masa or corn. If you go to Argentina, it's going to be a flour mm. dough. Other parts of the world, it's probably a flour dough, but at least in Mexico, it's most often corn. So it's like a crispy corn um, uh, encasing. Like It was like potatoes and venison and tomatoes and peppers, and it was just like amazing. Yeah. So uh, they're playing music. The band goes on a break. And they have some kind of playlist playing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like funky jams. And I'm, you know, s- s- sitting there having a glass of wine, kind of nodding my head. And, uh, to some very familiar music came on. Yeah. And I was like, what on earth? And I realized that it was the song specifically the exact mix from the same year the soul train theme (laughs) okay connor connor now would be a good time to play a little sampling of that so we don't have to wait till the end of the episode um uh yeah because i heard people all over the world and i was like what I got a video. I got a video of it on my phone in case no one believed that this happened. So here I am in like rural Baja, Mexico, at this food and wine event, and I'm hearing this random. Because <laughs> uh, we, we picked it. I don't even remember how it started. That that was what we were ending the show with, but it just stuck. It did. I don't recall. I don't remember why it started. I, but uh, yeah, I, I think it was meant to just be a one-off, but uh, just uh, kind of gained a yeah, momentum it of itself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was sitting there having a glass of, a glass of wine, wondering why my podcast was over. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. How do you have reacted if it was our opening theme? <laughs> I mean, that would. I would have jumped off a. Cl- I would have jumped off a cliff because that music was written by my cousin. Right. That would have been super for weird. us. We own that music. Yeah. So, no, I wouldn't have jumped off a cliff. I would have been like, excuse me, do you have the rights to this? Because I own this music. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do, which would be really hypocritical because we do not own the rights to the Soul Train theme. Please don't sue us. Yes, please don't. Can you, be- um, so. Can you believe that, though? I'm like, just how random that is? That is amazing. I, 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 mean, I mean, it would, like... It's it's not it's not as bizarre if they had been playing the the unsolved mysteries theme. That would have just been like way free, like that would yeah. have been an unsolved mystery. This yeah. this is 
I mean, it's highly, highly, highly unusual, but I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not as weird as, as if it had been the, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you, 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 you had pod, you, you even on your B-day no. vacation, you can't escape the, this pod. Um, I can't. Well, can't get away from it. Now, what I would have, um, when you mentioned when you first mentioned Baja, uh, mm-hmm. my mind immediately was like, "You spotted Gordon Collins walking around with this uh, poncho and holding his like milk jug full of whatever drink he had, mm-hmm. <laughs> looking around, seem acting like he you know doesn't know where he is or what he's doing, <laughs> where he's going, um, you know, a little little, little callback to." And I'm I'm glad also that you didn't go out on a boat to the water and like get swept uh, into the water and then suffered amnesia. To, mm-hmm. <laughs> as poor yeah no definitely definitely stayed off the boats yeah while yeah. in Baja okay. sea was a little bit rough a little bit rough uh so this is part two of Unsolved Mysteries season seven episode six because it was a two hour blockbuster extravaganza event and we need content so we stretched it into two of our episodes. Yes, yes. It it's symmetrical, it fits. Yeah, it works. Um so this as we both observe because we watch our unsolved mysteries on YouTube. And YouTube gave us a trigger warning, which we've both never seen before. Yeah. Uh, for this episode for discussions of suicide. So I will also trigger warning our listeners if you do not want to hear a discussion about a possible suicide and you don't like to hear that shit, uh, feel free to maybe move 15 minutes past this time marker and we will be done talking about it mm-hmm. um i will say also because i am not familiar with the exact protocols about how one discusses the concept of suicide um i know through a training that i took you're not supposed to say you someone has committed suicide you're supposed to say that they died by suicide i see um i i know that um but i'm also wondering this is out of my own ignorance and I'm not really looking for an answer here, but I am wondering if having the trigger warning is very useful. Is the discussion of someone else's suicide? I mean, do mental health professionals recognize that the discussion of someone else's suicide can be so triggering for somebody that they might, if they've already been contemplating it. Um, Because I've noticed too, Anytime there's any suicide depicted, even fictionally, like every show now has to have the hotline at the end of it. If you or someone you know is blah, 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 blah. Um, Is that helpful? Uh, Or is this is this just like removing some culpability? (laughs) Well, I mean, if we're uh, if we're talking about what the motivation was, I'm sure removing culpability was the foremost on the minds of uh, all, you know, all media people who see that get inserted in. Right. They just want to wash their hands of any anything, I guess. But it's also like I know there are such things as suicide clusters, specifically like if in a high school 
um, a student dies by suicide, um, sometimes that can inspire uh, other, you know, I know those things exist, but I'm just wondering, is merely the mention of it in a movie or television show so sort of triggering that we is, I don't know, I don't feel like the trigger warning is doing anything. And I don't feel like the suicide hotline number at the end of the show is doing anything either. I think this is just companies, media companies washing their hands of any sort of culpability of this. Well, I mean, that's certainly the motivation. I mean, now it's not necessarily mutually exclusive that like, I mean, they're like, like they're washing their hands of culpability, but maybe some people actually called the number. Um, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I I will just say this. Um, if you call a mental health hotline, at least in the state of California, and you say, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself or that I'm going to kill myself, that is a really great way to get cops at your door and then basically being committed on a mental health hold for 48 hours, possibly not in the best of facilities. It's, it's, I, in my opinion, a good way to go from a really dark situation to a worse one. And, um, so I have a lot of feelings about that. Um, uh, yeah, but, um, Hey, I, that's just based on what I've heard and some experiences I've had, but, um, I honestly feel like sometimes that hotline, at least where I live can be counterproductive. Uh, so noted, um, I, uh, but if you feel like you need some help, um, one eight hundred. Uh, don't call reenacted podcast because I don't actually have the number for this. Okay, so okay. let's uh, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about Thomas Burkett. Tommy Burkett. Tommy Burkett. Um, who they often show in this segment a picture of a of him standing against a brick wall. Yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I'm interested in hearing what you think because a thought notion that worked its way into my mind when I saw that picture was mm-hmm. I, I saw it, uh, saw it, and I immediately thought to myself, "Oh, he kind of looks like a s- awkward-looking 16-year-old Jeremy Renner." Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I thank you for validating. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So Tommy, you know, he's a, a college student, right? And the, mm-hmm. the segment starts out with like uh, he's returned home for thanks Thanksgiving vacation, as uh, some of us did in college, not all of mm-hmm. us. Um, and <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't either, unless my family at the time happened to be kind of close to where I was living. Yeah, but I didn't really. This going home for Thanksgiving is kind of like a new thing to me. Right. Precisely. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Had a lot of friendsgivings and grateful for those. Those were lovely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, So. Uh, the his parents they go out to you know i guess do parent things 
And they come back and he hits. This is really a case, by the way, of the wiki being uh, providing much more useful details. Than the <laughs> oh, really? Well, I'm glad to hear that. Maybe maybe you can yeah. shine some light on stuff. Uh, they come back and their son is dead of um, uh, what the authorities in- insist was a suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, his parents are not entirely convinced of that yeah. now we just had a segment not too long ago where it was the same thing where the parents had found their son dead really similar situation i thought we had already discussed this segment that's how similar i found it to one from a few episodes ago do you know the one i'm talking about it was it was it was really similar i don't remember it took place but it was the same thing. The son was found dead with the, he was in bed, I think. Though. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff about like angles of like the yeah. gunshot and stuff. And yeah. yeah, I thought this was the exact same segment. And then I just realized it was not, it was just really similar. Yeah. It has, yeah, it has a similar sort of, um, sort of setup because of the, uh, mm-hmm all the questionable stuff surrounding the, the, the suicide situation. So wh- wh- why, why was Tommy murdered? I don't know. Oh. Because I don't think that's what happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just you, you, I often perceive you as being like the contrarian to like, you know, like the, the show's like, well, here's the story. And you're like, mm, yeah, let's wind back on that. Uh, well, I just was getting I was going like in my mind, I was getting so tied up with this other segment because it was so similar. It was basically like the cops write it off as suicide immediately and don't do any follow up investigation. And then the parents end up hiring a P.I. and doing all this digging and stuff and saying, you know, the the. You know, the crime scene investigation was botched and you didn't consider this evidence and the cops aren't doing it. It was just like beat for beat the same story as this other segment that we did. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of convinced that's well, I mean, please continue with the details because wait i thought you were leading off on this segment am am i doing this i don't know okay so (laughs) (laughs) sorry i guess i kind of just wandered in and was like hey there's this blah 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 well i thought you were you were doing so well i didn't want to oh thank you i I, I appreciate that um, so basically, I, I, and I don't want to get things tied up. There's what's in the wiki, and then there's what Unsolved Mysteries actually gives us, which is mm, now that I'm reading the wiki, I think the parents might have a point. Oh here. shit! But, okay. but but as um, presented in Unsolved Mysteries, I will say it because it does sort of feel like uh, the way Unsolved Mysteries slaps it together is like, oh, mm-hmm. there's uh, lots of odd stuff that happens. So clearly. I mean, yeah, between a car, a neighbor witnessing a car chase, and some guys at the university beating Tommy up, <laughs> this had to have been mm-hmm. a murder. Was was kind of the editorial spin I I took from the show. Well, we're, it's the day after Thanksgiving, and I guess Tommy was supposed to go somewhere with his parents, but he was out and he didn't come back in time, and so they just went to the thing they were going to, and then he, uh, they come back, um a little after six and they go into the house and 
his car and Tommy's car is out front. So they know that he's home and they go into the house and they go upstairs to his bedroom and they see he has been um, there. He has been he's dead. I mean, it's basically what's going on. And as Unsolved Mysteries presents it, it seems as though he had been shot or he had shot himself through the mouth. Um, and then there was the gun in his hand. Um, so that's the info given there. Obviously the call, the cops, um, are the EMTs. EMTs pronounce him dead at the scene. Weirdly just leave his body though. Yeah. That, that seemed odd to me. They were like, uh, he did. And then they leave. It's like, what? Um, you don't just leave. I mean, maybe I'm just getting this idea from cop shows, but the EMTs stay, and especially when they find a body, they stay there until the cops arrive to take over the scene. Yeah. At that point, it becomes the criminal investigation. They don't just bounce <laughs> off the scene. Kind of seems like you're leaving the scene open to modifications between the... Uh, yeah. The, the... And so then, okay, so then Fairfax County Police show up. Um... And without even seeing the scene, the upstairs bedroom, the police officer, Daryl McEachern, McEachern, um, says to the parents, you know, college students kill themselves all the time and don't blame yourself. And so the mother who's giving the interview for this segment is like, um, I don't blame myself, actually. <laughs> yes, because my son wasn't murdered. Uh, was, right yeah. Uh, yeah he didn't kill himself and so then before they even go upstairs just based on the information i guess they heard over the radio from the emts the officer writes it up this is a suicide open and closed case and then someone goes upstairs and finds a note written on an atm receipt that says i want to be cremated and the mother's like this isn't even my son's handwriting what is this um so they're they don't even nothing nothing is photographed nothing is dusted for prints nothing open and shut as far as the police are concerned this is a suicide and um so then um the parents kind of hire their own forensics team at this point um they pull a bullet from the wall the slug of the bullet didn't have any tissue on it so it really appears as if it, it hadn't gone through Tommy's body or anyone's it was just kind of fired into the wall this is where it gets really similar to the last case too that I got really hung up on because I kept getting confused about what was what but um the gun wasn't examined um blood splatter was inconsistent with the position of Tommy's body um like basically the police had done nothing and uh I'm not sure if this was covered in the segment it's definitely covered in the wiki but um, Tommy had been pretty badly beaten up. Um, he he had a broken jaw, battered ear, abrasions, bruises, and torn clothing. Like someone had gone after him before the gun ever went off. Um, another autopsy was performed, and it discovered all these injuries. Um, no, so you know, basically the police did nothing, continued to refuse to do nothing, and just said, you know, this was a suicide. Um, Based on the information provided in the Unsolved Mysteries segment, 
I was leaning that way as well. And I was kind of like getting mad at Unsolved Mysteries again, being like, can we not, can we not like give these parents false hope? Right. That they're going to get some kind of justice or closure in this situation. Can we just not do this again? Because Unsolved Mysteries, they kind of like, <sighs> there's two danger zones with them where, I yeah. mean, if they're not kind of what we agree spot on with the editorial spin, they can kind of go in two opposite directions. Um, you know, one, you know, not really perhaps leaning uh, too hard in, into the murder. But like you said, the other direction is like, just, be, just like, like you say, giving parents false hope. And I feel like we've seen a, yeah. a few of these, you know, and, and it's very sad because the, the parents are, you know, obviously they've, experience uh the worst thing a parent can experience they're they are torn up and i mean you you got got you can't help but feel empathetic for them but you kind of it kind of feels like unsolved mysteries is uh, aiding them and grasping at straws like oh surely Mm -hmm. there was something you know uh it's like uh because we've seen one or two we're like kind of feels like so and so, whoever the person in question was, did did uh, die by suicide. So, yeah. So, this is where we get starting getting into some theories about what really happened here. And the first thing is ATM. So, Tommy earlier in the day uh, had gone to an ATM to withdraw some money, and he on that ATM video he was approached by three people in hoodies. So that happened. Um, there is eyewitnesses that said that there was a, another car that had pulled up to the Burkett's home um, while they were out that day. And then there was also something about the ambulance. There were two ambulances dispatched to the scene. Um, one of them was seen stopping before getting to the scene, going down into a ravine to retrieve something ravine behind the Burkett's home before continuing on to their home to respond to the call. This was not presented in the segment. <laughs> Basic. So basically what the segment said is that Tommy had been harassed at college by a couple of students that had par- like one of them had a police officer as a parent and the other one had a, a trustee called trustee as a parent and he had been harassed at school. And then there's something with like, the DEA, um, I don't, I don't even really know what was going on with that. Uh, but at least in the wiki, what is going on is that there were there were a bunch of things that happened, and one of the things that was discussed in the segment is that the mom calls the nine one one dispatch center and said, you know, on this date, were there any calls from this phone number to nine one one? And there were. So Tommy had apparently called 911 and they didn't send anybody out. And I don't know what that 911 call was about. Either he was saying, I'm thinking about hurting myself. That could have been one of the things. Or he was had been assaulted, which seems from the physical evidence to be the most likely thing. Um, and this follows a pattern of abuse that had been going on while he was at college. So he, the week before he died, his mailbox at college had been broken into and his paycheck stolen. Um, he reported it to campus security. Uh, campus security said that it was going to go to the Arlington PD and none of that ever happened. Um, so 
then when the parents try to go back to the college and say, hey, you know, there was this there was this pattern of harassment going on by these two students, which are not named because there isn't enough evidence against them, basically, to name them. But um, uh, they're in the wiki case you're interested but at the time that the segment is aired they said well we're not we we cannot say who they are because we actually don't have any evidence to charge them with anything um but i think a lot of that has to do with the college kind of washing their hands as they they really this is a really a pattern of behavior of by colleges of like not following through on disciplinary action especially you know one of the students involved is the son of a trustee of that college oh yeah this is like Tale as old as time here. Um, whether or not these two things are related, the harassment at school and then him being assaulted at home, I can't say. One thing I noticed um, when he, because there's a reenactment of him uh, going to like one person's door, a dorm room, and then you know they, they come mm-hmm. out and they just beat the beat him right in the hallway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, they they portray two students in the the hallway like looking looking on at this dumbfounded, and they're both holding beers, and those are some of the largest beer bottles I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> or are they just the tiniest college students you've ever seen? Well, like that's you you make a point there that I can't argue with. It could that <laughs> could have been the a combination of those two size factors. So I just had to point that out because that's <laughs> well, poor Tommy and is getting beaten up in the reenactment. I'm just looking at those bottles. I'm like, that's a lot of alcohol. Those guys. Yeah. Got. A lot of liquid. Yeah. That's what it comes down to with beer. Sometimes it's just like, oh, my God, I've just put too much liquid in my body. Um, So I can't say what happened here and I don't really care to speculate, but based on what I saw in the segment, I was thinking like, well, I think the cops got it right in this one. Based on what I'm reading in the wiki, it sounds like the cops pretty much immediately washed their hands of the situation. Don't really care. Completely didn't follow procedure. Uh, You know, you know, best case scenario, this was gross incompetence. Worst case scenario, it was a planned assault and a murder. So, uh, no update. Sorry, guys. Uh, I it's a, I I felt so yeah. Uh, yep. So that was um, that was Tommy Burkett. Uh, do you want to talk about treasure? I always want to talk about treasure. We have a yes. Actually, what I found to be somewhat brief treasure segment. That- I would have liked more treasure, less murder. Yeah, I mean this this episode as as a percentage murder was pretty heavy on it. Like we yeah. didn't even have a lost love to pad things out. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Not. Yeah. Okay. Well, the following segment takes us all the way to Michigan. And there's a I guess an island out on the Great Lakes called Poverty Island, which mm-hmm. I don't Seems kind of ironic considering that this is all about like what six four hundred million dollars worth of gold, six hundred million, something like that. No, four hundred. Four hundred. Yeah, a large. Mm-hmm. This this treasure is all about a large sum of gold that's allegedly out the out out there in the lakes. Um, mm-hmm. The story goes that uh, during the 
uh, waning days of the American Civil War. Uh, uh, Napoleon III, nephew of the Napoleon, uh, and at the time uh, uh, Emperor of France, uh, arranged a, a gold shipment to the Confederacy, I guess as a... Um, uh, a he- sort of a hedge bets thing. If in case they won, he he would have some of the that gratitude. Um, much like in the in the way that when I was I I don't know if I mentioned I wandered into a sports book back in April. Yeah. Yeah, and I made a bet on the Lakers to win the championship, which they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. but I also well, thank you, thank you for your vote of confidence. Huh? Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, but of course, much like Napoleon the Third, I also hedged some bets <laughs> by I, I also put a, a smaller sum of money down on the Miami Heat to win the <laughs> championship. Uh, mm-hmm. That didn't work out. Um, I mean, that was kind of like you know, I was looking at the Eastern Conference. I was like, who's the longest odds? Per, uh, and it was the Miami Heat. So they were facing the the fin like the the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. So I guess everyone figured they would lose, and so I put a a small like about fifty dollars down on the the Heat, which if they had won the championship would have equated to about fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> so mm-hmm. congratulations, mm-hmm. Denver! <laughs> uh, you got your first NBA championship. I'm not bitter at all. And anyway, uh, oh God, God, what's happening? I'm sorry. What just happened? <laughs> I was on the wiki and I was like trying to, I was, I was trying to move the window so I could see if where we were on the garage band. Um, uh, so that was the thing. Anyway, so Napoleon <laughs> the third sent a goat shipment and I'm getting, I'm assuming the reason he didn't actually ship it directly to the Confederacy was because of the uh, blockade of all their ports, but it was kind of an odd route. Like it went down the St. Lawrence, Lawrence in Canada. And I mm-hmm. guess the plan was that it was going to be unloaded in Chicago. Um, but then even then that means that it somehow has to be transported through through union territory to make it to the confederacy this kind of seemed like a, a highly risky endeavor uh anyway the gold uh the alleged gold actually the ship it was in sank they said when there was speculation in the narration that it may have been french mercenary pilots uh, pirates or something i don't know like what what is going on? What is going on in the Great Lakes? Uh, and well, piracy, obviously. I guess. Anyway, so we got we got a good old fashioned treasure treasure situation, and people are wanting to get that treasure. We get introduced to um, what was the name of the guy who's currently looking for it? Uh, Bennett, uh, Richard. It's Richard Bennett, yeah, yeah. who's now uh, spent a hundred thousand dollars of his own money. <laughs> like, by the like way. all the great treasure hunters, and forty-five years, <laughs> and forty-five years of his life. Forty-five years, like much like all the great treasure hunters that we that have been featured on Unsolved Mysteries, he had this treasure has actually represented a net loss for him. 
Um, yeah. Though, uh, I the, the didn't the segment make some allusion to like he'd written a book about the subject. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Um. So I know if it's sold, then you know maybe he recouped his money. But I, I for one, I don't know how many people are gonna rush out and buy his uh his book. But yeah, they they show a little bit, and I think this is like a salt in the wounds thing to me because like if you're gonna yeah. be one of these treasure hunting guys on unsolved mysteries, they they at least interview you and you get to be on TV and stuff. Um, but I feel like. With uh, with him, they show him walking onto a boat with uh, some of his uh, his chums, mm-hmm. and yep, that's the, that's the it's just enough footage so you know, uh, like oh, that's the loser who spent a hundred thousand dollars looking for mm-hmm. this gold. Um, yeah, I guess it it had been recovered in the 30s, but then sank again. Yeah, like they there there's uh, someone who recounted as a young boy he went wandering. Uh, uh, I believe he lived on the island. He went wandering to the beach mm-hmm. and he saw some, you know, vessel out there on the water. And they pulled something up, and all the guys were very excited on the ship about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess he he's assuming that was the gold. I mean, what if they were just fishermen and they really got a really nice catch? Or, but yeah, dr- at night there was a storm or something, and the the what they had recovered on their pulled up, it snapped and it fell back down to the uh, into the depths of the water. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and I guess, you know, they've made allusions to other people, uh, like wealthy business, Chicago business and bankrolling attempts to like get this money, uh, all for not so far, <laughs> all for not. And then this is, I don't know, this epi- this segment felt really short. And I also mm-hmm. feel like it, cause it, at the end, Robert Stack is like talking about, you know, like. Uh, people advise caution if you're going out on the Great Lakes uh, looking for treasure because it's, you know, it can be rough uh, out there. And I don't know, it, it kind of just felt like it kind of felt like they I don't know if you perceive this, that they. He didn't even really have time to completely finish the sentence before they fade to black and we go. Yeah, <laughs> you notice I that? I did notice that. I was like, um. Okay, well, off to the next thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's behind the scenes. People are like no one wants to hear about this treasure. No, I do. I did. Yeah, actually, I did too. Want to hear about the treasure? Yeah. So, did you did you remember anything else from this segment that you found noteworthy or uh, amusing? Did you talk about the sled? The sled. The sled that Steve Harrington, not Steve Harrington, sorry, Richard Bennett had um, devised. Mm. it's a sled where i guess divers would just sit on it and get dragged against the floor <laughs> of lake michigan in freezing water i guess i didn't really like pick up until on we that. saw something i guess that that sound yeah, yeah there was a sled there was footage of all the rocks at the bottom of lake michigan too. I, well, I remember that there was talk like the, the conclusion was like well we're only really gonna find it if we have people down there you know keeping their eyes out yeah. so 
Um, there was a sled mm. that he devised where I guess you just like ride it until you find the treasure. Ah, and that's how he found the treasure. Uh, um, you know, I was thinking there's probably a lot of really interesting stuff at the bottom of these Great Lakes. Yeah. Um, there's obviously the um, the ship uh, that Gordon Lightfoot sang about in Lake Superior, which I'm not... Someone is screaming at me right now. I know it. While well, I was thinking of this, it's the uh, the um, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the um, was this from a previous segment? Fuck. Who's Gordon? No, Lightfoot? it's a Gordon. It's a Gordon Lightfoot song uh, from this. It's a folk song from the 70s. Hold oh, on. Gordon I Lightfoot. See. Lightfoot. Uh, the wreck of the. Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh my God. Oh, okay. Woo. Mystery solved there. Um, yeah. I mean, in Lake Superior, you'd find the wreck of the, uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald, which is a big ship. Um, but yeah, I bet there's a lot of interesting stuff down there besides like gold. And it kind of, I was thinking about this because I was watching, um, Indiana Jones. I'm sorry. Woo. Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade for my birthday. Oh, yeah. It was my uh, it was my birthday choice, <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about what a terrible archaeologist Indiana Jones is. That belongs in a museum. He like only goes after shiny, right? So in the uh, first movie, which is called the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't remember anything today. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? It opens with him going through that temple to get the shiny gold thing mm-hmm. in South America. But isn't the real find all the booby traps and carvings and paintings and all, the temple itself that he's raiding? <laughs> oh, you're isn't right. Isn't that infinitely more interesting than the shiny thing? That 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 is, that is kind of a neat temple. Yeah. Um. um the fact that all of that has to be theoretically reset anytime someone goes to steal the thing. Yeah. And I was also thinking about how, like, in Raiders... No, sorry. The Last Crusade. I'm so sorry. The Last Crusade, when they go down into the catacombs, there is some attention paid to the paintings on the walls and things like that. But basically Indiana Jones uses somebody's femur as a torch. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I get, I mean, he's, he's very sing- singular minded, right? He's just after the shiny thing. And then, um, you know, it's the same thing with, uh, the cross of Coronado at the beginning of that movie is like, well, the, the the grave robbers are throwing around pots and stuff, which I think would be very interesting because they're going after this cross. But Indy doesn't have any other. He doesn't care about all that, all that stuff either. He just cares about getting the cross to a museum, I guess. You know, um, uh, Crystal, I. Yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself right now. I'm really kicking myself because mm. do you do you know what I was planning on saying at some point during this segment? But I I I, I mm. chose not to uh, when we were ta- when they were mm. talking about the gold and the, all the people trying to retrieve it and whatnot. I was going to say it belongs in a museum. <laughs> yeah, I should have realized you would have watched uh, Last Crusade on your birthday weekend oh 
Well, I was just thinking, you know, here we've got these treasure hunters in Lake, Lake Michigan. And they're a lot like Indiana Jones. They're kind of. They're looking for that gold the, and they're missing all the neat stuff. That, all the interesting stuff. Yeah. That's probably at the bottom of Lake Michigan, right? There's probably a lot that, down there now. So, yeah. 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 I mean, all kinds of shipwrecks and. I mean, at least they are explicitly just looking for the gold for money purposes. Where at least, whereas Indy yeah. is ostensibly an archaeologist. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's a he's a tomb raider by any other name, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, he's not a very good archaeologist. Well, yeah, he I mean, breaks a lot of shit. Th- doesn't that? Um, God, what's the name of the the heel in the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Um, Belloc. Belloc. Belloc? Uh, Belloc. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't Belloc say something like, you and I are not too, t- you know, unalike. And Indy's like really indignant on that. But <laughs> Belloc's uh, not entirely wrong in that assessment. Well, right? hold on a, hold <laughs> well, on a yeah, second. Yeah, no, I know. Hold Nazi collaboration aside. <laughs> <laughs> That's a major DQ here. <laughs> <laughs> And in much and 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 similarly in the Last Crusade, uh, yes, I understand you want to obtain the thing, but the minute that you collaborate with the Third Reich to use their resources to get that thing, uh, yes, you become qualitatively different than Indiana Jones. <laughs> I think. I guess. I guess you make a point. Someone who's just sort of. Uh, uh, you know, like, uh, Indy's uh, callous disregard for uh, all this other stuff just for the shiny thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> are you? Do you think you're gonna see the the new Indiana Jones movie? It's coming out at the end of this month. Uh, well, it it's. I mean, obviously, we preface this with um, uh, I I very rarely step foot into theaters uh, by nature. Uh, as I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> I don't go to the um, theater either. So. Yeah, because like uh, this year, uh, the uh, the only thing I've stepped foot in theaters uh, this year was I wanted to see Evil Dead Rise because I I was curious mm-hmm. about that ninety three percent critic score on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, and then yeah. um, my plan uh, later uh, in this year. I uh, I'm looking forward to Ridley Scott's Napoleon movie starring Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to go see that. Uh, and mm-hmm. th- those are uh, those are the o- those are the only solid plans I had for movie making. But I mean, who knows? Yeah. Uh, sometimes the C- Cooper family goes off and sees a film and I get invited along. And that's. That's actually how I see about like eighty percent of the movies I see oh. in the theater. Um, I'm kind of torn because, man, just watching my my criti- my critiques of any of Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade are just so minor because yeah. I do consider them such perfect films. Oh, they're great they're movies, yeah. Movies. yeah. And like, uh, the, the just the efficiency with 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 which they're made. There's a sense of humor. I mean, Spielberg is the king. Yeah, that's it. And so I'm, uh, you know. And then we all went and saw Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, and then like that was terrible. <laughs> and then, and then we just erased it from our collective memories. And I'm I saw the trailer for this new Indiana Jones movie, and I'm like. 
pond looks like it could be okay. I'm like, eh, it could be okay. But I just, like, if you, I realize that Spielberg is the EP on it, but it's like, if you don't have him in the editing room, if you don't have him behind the camera, I mean, it just, it doesn't have that Yeah, magic. that's the thing. Like, I mean, just being EP is not enough. Like, if he's, he's yeah. got to be in there in the trenches with his hands on stuff. And because that's what he's really good at. And that's why, why you know, why where his work really uh, shines so um did you know that did you know that spielberg was in the blues brothers movie what oh man i can't believe i'm the one who's who's being the revelation on this um he has a cameo in the blues brothers movie and like when you when you like when you when when you have that knowledge and then you see it, you're like, "How the fuck did I not ever see this ever?" Because he yeah. he plays uh, at the end of the film when they're rushing into the county office to to pay off the the I don't know what the orphanage's taxes or whatever. He's the clerk. He's the clerk who processes their payment. He has lines. <laughs> he looks at what? Yeah. Huh. I guess maybe because he's so young at that point, maybe like, you know, like he's not, he doesn't seem as much of the um, more statesman-y looking Spielberg that like is is sort of in our minds now. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I was like, like I, I, I read that in trivia. I was like, what? And then I went back and I watched just to see that. I was like, how did I not see that? Spielberg is on screen. He like he opens up the door, you know, coming back from lunch. He's like, okay, well, let's go process your payment then. And you know, he writes out the receipt and everything. He's like, what? What? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, admittedly, it's been a really long time since I've seen the Blues Brothers movie, but I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, that at all. Yeah, I was just uh, obviously we are not very interested in resuming talking about this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. We just want to talk about film facts, but. I was just watching, there is a um, Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. Oh, yes. On I, Netflix I, I just heard out. of this. Yes. And I started watching it. It's multiple episodes and it's Arnold. It's kind of Arnold telling his story. He's very heavily involved in it. So I don't have a lot of hope of it getting very real. Yeah. Unfortunately, but um, he was talking about, and you probably already know this because I know that Dave did because I went and I asked him about this. But uh, Arnold was not the first <laughs> choice for Terminator. I, oh, you already know where I'm going mm-hmm. with this. Continue. Uh, this was news to me. I didn't know this. This like blew my mind. I like paused what I was watching and Dave was outside and I ran out there. I'm like, Scully, you're never going to believe this. But he already knew about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it was. I mean, OK, Pause for listeners who already know the answer to this, the original casting for the Terminator was OJ Simpson. (laughs) However, he was recast. No one was very excited about OJ. No one was married to that idea. And then James Cameron met with Arnold and he was like, dude, you're the Terminator. Like you're it. And Arnold was like, I don't, I don't play villain. I don't want to be the villain. (laughs) The hero. 
That's my nice, nice. Though no, yeah. it, you know, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's clear who 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 you're you're okay. you're the, the guys of. Yeah. He's like the uh, Terminator has no lines. It's twenty six lines. I'm the lead, and like um, James Cameron's like, think about it. Think about it. So so Arnold went home and he thought about it. He read the script. And he's like, yeah, okay, I think I'm the Terminator, right? Yeah. So they they. And then this was an easy sell because no one was that. And this is the, how the story goes in Hollywood. No one was that married to OJ being the Terminator because no one would believe that he would kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's just he's, he's too goofy. He's too much of a com- com- comedic actor. Yeah. Uh, pause for laughter. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a great story. Yeah. That's a great story. I know, right? Um, you know, <laughs> and it's just like what it's it's one of those fun stories because it's like obviously you can't imagine anybody besides Arnold being the Terminator. He was the Terminator. That was it. Right, right. Period. Like imagining an alternate history of that is just you can't do it, right? But yeah, I had a conversation once where I was discussing, um, you know, in the I was talking uh, in, in this post uh, in light of everything we've. Uh, learned about what Bruce Willis has been going through. Um, and uh, like, I just, uh, I was having a conversation with someone and I was describing like what, you know, the, the, the obviously tragedy, personal, terrible, tra- personal tragedy for him and his family on that level. But also just like, I mean, of all the people who get labeled as action uh, actors, uh, in the eighties and nineties, I mean, Bruce Willis, I feel like has the most range because he wasn't originally an action star. He, um, I, while we're on the subject of uh, casting, yeah. cause you, you know that, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that he was, he was a comedy guy. Yeah, exactly. He was a comedy guy first. Yeah. And people, when someone was cast for Die Hard, they're like, you're going to put the moonlighting guy in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And you know, I just like how, how I, how I, the comparison I would use, I, I would use when I was talking about the, the distinction between him and say, you know, let's go with, you know, the, 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 the action guy Schwarzenegger is like Willis could play most of Schwarzenegger's roles like Mm -hmm. Predator I mean he can be out there in the jungle whatever Um, yeah Mm, I don't I guess but okay go on all right no no that's fine that's okay yeah you have a different interpretation Uh, and I said but that's what I said Um, he, he, he could uh, with the like, like, with the exception of the one role uh, Arnold did that that no one could ever excel Arnold past would be as the Terminator because, like, mm-hmm. Arnold's range is not that great. He like the the reverse cannot be said. Like Arnold can't do would would not be able to do most of the movies Willis has done. Like Arnold, no. Arnold, like, can you imagine Arnold in the Sixth Sense? I mean. <laughs> It just it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't land, uh, but uh. but there is but but when it comes to playing the Terminator, Arnold is able mm-hmm. to be a cybernetic organism better than anyone. Like yeah, I mean like he, that the man can become a machine. I mean, we so. should probably keep talking about Unsolved Mysteries, but now I'm too excited. I want to keep talking about 80s action stars. Me too. Um, 
because I'm like on this now. Mm-hmm. And it was somewhat related to treasure hunting. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I you so you brought up the fifth element and that reminded me I was at a Dodgers game a couple of nights ago. Okay. That's baseball. It's a baseball team. Um, here in LA. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> sure everyone knows that. But anyway, it's at a Dodgers game the other night, and um uh guess who threw you're not gonna guess, and we don't need to we don't need to spend time on guessing. Chris Tucker threw the first pitch. Okay. And I have not seen this guy anywhere in anything for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I have a similar relationship with Chris Tucker. Um, um, and I I was up in a box suite, not to like brag or anything, but I was like up in the box suite at Dodger Stadium. And, I'm, and we were walking in just as he's throwing the first pitch. And I'm like losing my mind. And then I just out left my body and just started screaming. I love the fifth element um, <laughs> at him while he was trying to pitch. I don't think he heard me cause there was a big crowd, but like, I know most people, the Chris, the Chris Tucker connection is rush hour. Yeah. That was his big paycheck. But for me, Oh, it's fucking fifth. <laughs> <element>. <laughs> I was like losing my mind. I was like, Chris Tucker, no way. And then in the crowd and they put her on the jumbotron, was Paula Abdul. So we were just like having a flashback. Whoa, that, that's a lot of stuff right? going on there. Yeah. There was a lot happening at that Dodger game. Anyway, we got to talk about Unsolved Mysteries. We got to get well, it. We got to get it. Uh, because, I mean, th- we, we, could, get we back could, this, but I mean, you, you started talking about <laughs> The Fifth Element and that's such a great movie. I, we we should probably do, we should do an episode on the fifth. Let's element. do a special fi- fifth element episode Let's sometime. Put a pin in this. We'll do an entire episode on the fifth element because we both love that movie yeah okay tim uh we'll put a pin in that okay now on to something completely depressing tim barry um i think this segment actually opened up with uh tim barry stumbling into a catholic church because of course unsolved Mm -hmm. mysteries is a very catholic program (laughs) Um, yeah this is established yeah unsolved mysteries is a, a catholic show yeah and uh and that's fine yeah it's okay yeah, yeah, yeah. no no that, yeah, yeah. i mean program. we're not fighting the 30 years war here it's it's fine no. uh it's just mm-hmm. an observation it's not a judgment we'll do a separate episode on the 30 year war <laughs> right. so that'll be for the patrons yeah yes and um the like the priest is like uh, my son what's the matter and and he's like Tim Barry just straight out confesses. I killed someone. Yeah. And the way the person's doing it, the actor's doing it in the segment, you you get like, it plays as if he had just killed someone that evening, but this was him confessing to something after months or years. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, like, it was a year and a half. Yeah, after. a year and a half. Yeah, dialing it back. Uh, Tim, he he gets married. He dates and gets married to the uh, woman named Andrea. Right, Andrea was her name. Mm-hmm. And you know they have kids. Uh, Andrea said like, yeah, everyone liked uh, Tim. You know they they have a little reenactment of them out on the beach. Um, 
they seem to all be having a good time, right? You know, gather around the campfire. I assume uh, they're going to eat some clams and drink some beers and 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 stuff. Um, what? What? I don't know. Probably eat some chowder. Eat some chowder. Yeah, yeah. And but I guess Tim. And this is where I was very unclear with the segment. For some reason, murdered Andrea's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not catch what the motivation was, but I don't think there was motivation. One, yeah, disturbingly, <laughs> I know, right? This was never. Yeah, the motive was really never discussed. So, yeah, and basically the the segment has a lot of great moments of uh reenactments of like you know she's disappeared uh people the 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 family is like oh we gotta find her and they're go they're searching they find glasses in the in the basement which is strange because her car is gone and she would need her glasses in order mm-hmm. to drive her car and so her, her car's found with, without her in it so they you know the family has a, that sinking feeling in the pit of their stomach um and you know there there's there's segments of them wondering about the sister even like months later and the guy who plays tim is just like he's playing it like hey look can we just not talk about this right (laughs) and just being suspicious as fuck he's like your sister's dead it's been two days get over it i'm like whoa dog when you're dead i'm not sure you ever get over something like that also we don't know that she's like gone gone bro why do you know that <laughs> right because they're they're looking at it from the perspective of missing and it's kind of he's right. kind of hat tipping like he's he's like yeah he's like let's move on and it's like well let's not she's only been gone for two days right. Like, what right um so yeah that's how the um if this was like a conventional segment you know this this would be like you know, the, the walls start closing in and there's suspicion on him and he, he disappears. But right no, instead, like there's this weird thing happens. He, he shows up at a church and he confesses to the murder. Mm-hmm. And I can like, I, I kept trying to figure out what was going on there. If it was something yeah. other than, uh, unless he had some sort of notion that like, people were suspecting him or something. And he thought like, mm-hmm. well, maybe if I confess and whatnot, I can, yeah, I come forward. I might get a better deal than if, um, you know, I get caught. I, I don't know what his motivation mm-hmm. was. Um, so yeah, he, uh, and like, I guess like when the police interviewed him, like he was very cool, like emotionless and cooperative. Like, yep. I killed her. I took her out. Uh, made her drive drove her out somewhere and you know uh, etc etc so he gets sent to prison Um, but I I guess it was one of those model prisoner situations so he was allowed out to like do work on stuff that the prison was having the prisoners do work at and Mm -hmm. This is where I got really excited about the segment because they were on election day 88. They were repainting. A... I knew I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were going to bring this up. 
I knew it. I clocked it, and I'm like, yep. <laughs> Robbie's going to be real excited about this. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, you know, they're painting the walls in, like, one of the, some civic building, right? And he tells the guard, like, I got to use the restroom. And the guard's like, okay, well, here's the key for the restroom. And <laughs> they show him the in the reenactment, like, he's got the key, and he walks out the front office of the civic building, but I mean, well, he's still in the building, but out of the office that they were painting and hurries over to the elevator, mm-hmm. <laughs> quickly pushes the button and gets on. And they mentioned that he just disappeared into the crowd of uh, people that were coming in to vote and leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. And we get a reenactment of like, you know, the outside of the front of the, the building where there are people with either bush quail signs or Dukakis 88 signs. And yep. And the thing with the Dukakis signs is if you notice it's Dukakis Benson, because uh, his vice presidential nominee was uh, Texas Senator Lloyd Benson, who mm-hmm. we of course all remember was one of the elected officials who tried to help that family who, who crossed paths with a UFO while out driving, get some sort of uh, compensation from the government. So that made this segment for me. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it ends. So if people want to get in touch with, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's not the end of the segment. Uh, it is. Um, yeah. So that's the mystery here. Yeah, yeah. They, is he, where, and he shows back up uh, at his family's vacation home. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of, uh, oh, he, 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 like, he makes it seem like he's either paroled or work furloughed or something, right? He kind of, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, let me out. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the fa- like a family in this uh, situation would at least be sort of cognizant as to when the like the parole hearings and stuff are. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, and he he's yeah the, the mystery was like oh he's you know he's he's out there he's he's, he's he escaped but I believe the we got a, a an update that he got captured right yeah. And then he was extradited back to Massachusetts. And then he went to jail and served the rest of his sentence. The end. Yes. Yes. He might still be there. I don't know how long his sentence was. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, actual end of segment. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I guess. Yeah. I guess the high, I guess the highlight of that really was the um, political signs. I clocked that. I'm like, oh my God, Robbie's going to be so excited. No, I was. About that. Um, if if people want to get in touch with us, how should they do that? Uh, just send an e- just email us reenactedpod at gmail Crystal looks at that pretty regular regularly. Uh, that that's how you're guaranteed to to like, you know, that we will see it. Um, and uh, if you go over to Patreon, we got a one dollar tier or a five dollar tier. And uh, the more people who sign up for that, the more likely it is you'll get that fifth element. <laughs> yeah and, and i just i want to give a shout out to some uh some long time and new time patreons because i opened it i'm like let's give a shout out yes let's do that um i want to i want to give a the biggest shout out to jen who's been with us 
since like fucking 2019 who is basically funding this podcast. Thank you, Jen. Amazing. Um, I want to give a shout out to Catherine who's new. I want to give out a shout out to Nicole who has been with us since the fucking beginning. Hell yeah, Nicole. What up? I want to give a shout out to purple worm. I want to give a shout out to Kyle. What up Kyle? Um, and I want to give a shout out to longtime friend of the podcast, Billy Tilly and people who are just keeping this afloat. Um, thank you so much. That's not everyone, but that is the people I'm going to say on the podcast right now. So thank you so, so much to the people who are like, I just went to check our account too, to see if we should pull some money out of the Patreon. And, um, I'm very pleased with what is in there. Cause that's actually going to pay our producer for like a few episodes. So thank you so much for that. Um, amazing. I just, the fact that, uh, we have so many people who are like, supporting us not only by listening to us and recommending us to our their friends but also financially is just the fucking coolest thing in the world so thank you so much for that um and if people want to write us a letter how should they do that oh like a physical letter trying, trying to get away from the social media yeah no not physical like a like an email <laughs> i don't don't mail us things <laughs> 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 I don't we don't we don't want you could mail us things actually me can mail Robbie things yeah. I don't really want things unless they're like snacks from a foreign country uh, <laughs> Deep so. um, well I think I said send your emails to reenactedpod at gmail.com did you say that that's yeah, okay I was just I was sorry I was just got really distracted by the patreon oh oh you're you're looking you're looking at that that money figure like damn yeah and I was like oh I should pull this out yeah. this is not an insignificant amount. <laughs> and then that would I would actually yeah pay Connor a few times so um Great. And uh, yeah, trying to get away from the social media stuff because neither of us are really on top of this. Boy, <laughs> isn't that like the truth? Way. Okay. Well, it doesn't seem like a great way to get in touch. Yeah. So, email is best. And um, thank you for your tips. And we'll try and be better about putting exclusive content out on the Patreon. Uh, Robbie, you want to close this out? I will. Uh, are you gonna do it though? For every mystery, there's. But Robbie, are you gonna do it? I, um, I, I. Please go ahead. I guess. I, I don't. Uh, you, you've really got some doubt in me now. Uh, for every. <laughs> for every. Uh, for every mystery, uh, someone somewhere knows the truth. Perhaps that someone's watching. Perhaps it's you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>